Welcome to the program, The Spirituality of the Catholic Church, as Father Paul Keenan teaches on God and man and the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And now, Father Paul Keenan. I'm Father Paul Keenan from the Communications Office of the Archdiocese of New York, continuing our visits about the spirituality of the Catholic Church and about the new catechism. And, uh, it's a great pleasure to be back with you as we talk about the human person. As I was saying before, that's something that uh, we really have lost sight of, who we are and uh, who man is. And as we lose sight of that, we really lose sight of everything because uh, we, without that kind of knowledge and that kind of understanding, we uh, don't know what to do with uh, the little we do know about life. So in bringing us back to uh, who we are as people made in the image and likeness of God, the church is really giving us the thing that we need the most, giving us the uh, sense of who we were meant to be, and telling us that uh, being made in the image and likeness of God, we have many, many things inside of us, inside of ourselves, that uh, by taking a look at what we have there, we can begin to get a clear picture of who we are, because where we're going with this is uh, that... Once we know who we are, then we're going to look outside for uh, an understanding of what we should do, because we're putting legs here on our catechism treatment of the uh, creed and of our worship, and now we're we're looking in this third part on how does this affect the moral life and uh, what we should do and not do. So, looking inside, we saw that we were made in the image of God, that we have within us on the inside passions which are neither good nor bad in themselves, but which are the feelings, the um, experiences that can dispose us to the good or dispose us away from it. That we have a conscience, which uh, is a judgment of reason that uh, enables us to recognize moral quality in concrete acts of the past, present, and future and uh, that our consciences need to be formed, and that we can make erroneous judgments. Within ourselves also we have virtues, virtues which are habitual dispositions to do the good. Now, having said all of that, that we have those things inside ourselves, we need to say as well that it is possible for us to go off the, the track uh, that uh, probably in some ways that would seem to go without saying, but we don't want to seem here that we are just saying, well, the human person is totally good, and so if we just look inside ourselves, we're going to find everything we need. Uh, there is sin, sin in the world, and uh, sin as a result of the fall of Adam and Eve, but sin also as a result of concrete things that we do and don't do. And uh, we need to bring our attention to the fact that it's it's not just all wonderful inside us all the time, that we really do sin. We get ourselves off the beaten path. And uh, that means that uh, we need more than just what is inside us. What do we mean by sin? When I say there's sin, what am I talking about? 
talking about offenses against reason, truth, and right conscience. Uh, right conscience. Uh, sin is an offense against God. So when we offend against reason, against truth, or against right conscience, uh, and offend against God, we're committing sins. And we know that there are fundamentally two kinds of sins, mortal sins and venial sins. Mortal, when the evil done is seriously wrong, the person who is the subject of the moral action knows knows that it is seriously wrong, and gives his or her full consent to doing that thing that is wrong, or not doing the thing they know they should do. There are also sins of omission. And uh, venial sins in which any of those things that I mentioned just now are missing, um, the, in which um, the evil is not objectively serious, or it is, but the person, through no fault of their own, doesn't know that it is serious, or the person uh, does not give it their full consent. And uh, there is there is sin in the world, and uh, we need to just know that and be aware of it, and there is sin within ourselves. And the Catechism brings us back to capital sins, uh, just so we have a sense of how these things inside us, our uh, passions, our conscience, our virtues, uh, can be disordered. And uh, we remember the capital sins, pride, avarice, envy, wrath, lust, gluttony, and sloth. Ways in which what is inside us, the goodness that God gives us inside, can become distorted. Now, the other thing we need to be aware of is that this sinfulness and even our propensity to good, these things are not just here on it in an these things are not just here on an individual level. They are here on uh, a communal level as well. Because when you talk about the human person, you talk not only about individuals, but you talk about society, the human society as well. And after it speaks about the human person and what is inside the human person, the Catechism goes on to talk about uh, the human community, who we are, uh, because we are not for ourselves alone. We are a society, and when we individually do good things, we uh, influence the entire society, the entire world. When we do bad things or don't do the good we should do, that has an evil effect upon the entire world. Uh, we are not just individuals. We are a society. We are a community. And uh, that vocation that I mentioned uh, early on, the vocation to beatitude, that vocation to live as people who are made in the image and likeness of God is something that you and I certainly share as individuals. But even more than that, it is something that we share as a society. That vocation is to me individually, but it is also to all of us. All men are called to the same end, the Catechism tells us. All men are called to God himself. And the human person, uh, you and I, individually, we need to live in society. You know, sometimes, 
Sometimes I think we get to thinking that uh, the people that are around us are maybe just kind of an extra added attraction, that it would be great if we could get along without them, and we'd love to get along without them. But uh, that's not the way it works. That's not uh, the way it works with us. We are certainly individual people, but at the same time, we are people who need each other. In order for my life to make any sense at all, uh, I need you and I need other human beings around. And uh, if we stop to think about that, you say, well, why is that? What do you mean by that? Because I really like this rugged individualism thing. Well, stop to think about it for a minute. Because um, we have said earlier in our conversations that uh, where we become ourselves and where we become really free and really happy is when we can get outside of ourselves and give ourselves away to other people. That real love consists not in uh, directing things toward myself, but in directing things toward other persons. Well... That's how we are made. That's our human nature. And when I try to forget about other people, when I try to say it's all me, 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 I'm really cutting off who I am. That's why we're never very happy when we do this me, me, me business uh, that society is always uh, talking to us about. We're never really happy, never really fulfilled, because it's not about me. It's about us. It's about other people. And I don't find my fulfillment in fulfilling myself. I find my fulfillment in fulfilling other people. If you ever watch uh, someone who is a real parent, a really, really good parent, a mother or a father, they don't find their fulfillment in making the kids do what they want just for the sake of that, or they don't find their fulfillment in making the kids serve them. They find their fulfillment in helping the kids to grow into a sense of their own giftedness. They find their fulfillment in helping the kids to grow into a sense of what is right to do to other people. They find their fulfillment in helping the kids to know what it means to uh, to be a good, God-fearing citizen and to uh, to love the Lord and to be concerned about the needs of others. They find their fulfillment in helping the kids to discover their gifts, especially the gift of love. And uh, a real parent will give their whole life uh, for their kids. When you see that, you see how beautiful that is when it happens. You begin to understand a little bit that this is not just a line of thought that the Catechism espouses when it talks about our needing other people. Because without each other, there would be no point to me. Without other people, there would be no point to my life. That's why one of the things that sometimes I will say to someone who uh, says to me, I think my life is pointless, uh, I might suggest that for a while they just go do a little volunteer work, find somebody who really needs them. It's not maybe the final solution or the deepest solution, but often enough it's one that will get them to stop and think that uh, their life is only going to have meaning when they give it away when they give it to somebody else. And if a person has been giving away so much of their life that they've gotten burnt out and can't do anymore, well, sure, they need to stop and revive for a while, but I think that one of the things they need in order to revive themselves is a radical reorientation toward God and toward other people. 
Uh, they need to stop and let people do for them for a while, perhaps, instead of they're just giving, 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 and you know, going, 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 and not letting themselves be restored. But maybe they also need to change their orientation toward God, because ultimately, if we're going to give to others, God is the source of all that energy. He's the source of all we have to give. And uh, sometimes we can get so busy giving to other people that we forget how to orient ourselves toward God. And when we do that, I think we, we really make a major mistake and then wonder why we run out of anything to give to other people. So uh, it's a paradox. You know, sometimes people uh, will say, I don't have time to pray. Uh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy uh, giving to other people or doing what I have to do that I don't have time to pray. But then they wonder why they're so worn out. They find they, they are wondering why they don't have energy anymore, why they're so burnt out. No new ideas, no new, uh, no new joy in life. And the reason is they've cut themselves off from the source. Because, you know, part of the people that we are to give ourselves to are the three persons in God. We, we sometimes lose sight of that too, that, uh, God wants us to give to Him. God wants us to care about Him and to praise Him and to honor Him and to pray to Him. And uh, we forget about that. We forget where our source is. But the whole point of this uh, conversation here is that uh, we need each other, that to be human beings, we need other people. And uh, we're just not uh, for ourselves alone. That... Uh, we just have to be society. I mean, there are advantages and disadvantages to uh, to socialization, and socialization can sometimes be inconvenient, and sometimes it can give us uh, the wrong ideas, and sometimes there can even be the the wrong kind of socialization. I mean, we can uh, get to the point where uh, we are into uh, a kind of sharing or, or a kind of economics, for example, just on, a, on that level, that really is not conducive to human freedom. That can happen. I mean, society can go off just as readily as individuals can go off. But um, basically and fundamentally, we need, to, uh, we need to be with each other and we need to find ways of living with each other and sharing with each other and making the thing work. Sometimes, though, we get to feeling very individually we need to have a conversion. We need to have a conversion to society, and sometimes, sometimes we need to have a conversion of society, because uh, don't forget here that our societies can have um, and develop personalities or souls, if you will, just as readily as we can as individual human beings. And both for ourselves and for society, the Catechism reminds us that um, we need to subordinate our physical and instinctual dimensions to interior and spiritual ones. And I think we see that. I think we see that sometimes with ourselves. I was just talking about the experience of getting burned out and of needing to recuperate uh, spiritually. And in those times that I stop and say, boy, I really need to get my spiritual self together I better go on a retreat or something and uh, find uh, the presence of God again in my life. 
But, you know, that same thing can happen to a society as well, a country, a group of nations, a, a world, a universe, can get very, very far away from God, far away to the point where they need a real conversion, a real revival of their interior resources. And I think one of the things, by the way, that uh, to be very positive about this, I think one of the things that has been happening in the world in the last few years is that we are seeing in many, many ways a return to spirituality. As much as we are seeing horrible things in the world, unspeakable things, we're also seeing a return to an interest in the spiritual. And uh, more and more, I think, um, not only individual people, but I think societies are beginning to ask the important questions about whether there is a life beyond, uh, whether there are ways of enhancing the lives of their citizens which are not simply materialistic. Looking at uh, the sinful social structures, if we look at uh, South Africa and the, the end of apartheid, for example, if we look at the collapse of communism, the collapse of the Berlin Wall, you know, things like that, we begin to see that our society is, is taking an important turn and uh, we are looking very, very much within ourselves, not only individually, but as a people. We are saying, how should things be, and what are the internal resources that we need in order to be able to make that happen? We're looking. We're doing a little better, at least in some respects. But the church reminds us that uh, society as well as individuals, need to subordinate their physical and instinctual dimensions to their interior and spiritual ones. And in order to discern the difference between good and evil, we need grace. Without grace, without that life of God in us, that supernatural life of God in us, we will never be able to really truly discern the difference between good and evil. Well, how do we or how should we participate in social life if indeed we are to be societal creatures? It brings up the question of authority, and uh, that's always a very difficult question in society because none of us likes to give up our autonomy, and we know that when we enter into society, whatever society it is, whether we uh, leave our single state and become a family, or whether we leave our single state and become part of a religious community, or whether we join a, a group of people in the parish or a group of people at work, whatever it is, we give up a little of our autonomy. There always has to be some kind of legitimate authority. Every human community, the uh, catechism says, needs an authority to govern it. And uh, that authority has a certain moral character to it. Um, all legitimate authority, here's something we often forget, all legitimate authority derives from God. There is no authority unless uh, we acknowledge the authority of God, because that's where authority gets its authority. And uh, for that reason, authority should be treated with respect with gratitude, and with goodwill. Authority, the Catechism reminds us, does not derive its moral legitimacy from itself, or for itself either, for that matter. 
that uh, the moral legitimacy of authority is for the common good, and the origin of authority is from God. So the real legitimacy of the authority lies in God and uh, in those three divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They're the source of all authority. Sometimes we don't like to remember that. I always think of the book of Job in the Bible. Uh, when Job loses everything and all his friends have left him and they're all blaming him and telling him, you must have done something to cause this, and his wife is telling him that. And finally, Job just gets fed up with the situation. He's lost everything. Everything is gone. And he really kind of uh, rails at God. Why is this happening to me? And so on and so forth. And uh, God just looks at Job and says, well, it's too bad that you weren't around when I created the universe to give me advice about how to do it. And it's something for us to think about. It brought... Job around, he was fine eventually, but uh, it, it can bring us around too. We sometimes can get to the point where we think if we get ourselves a little authority, that we have everything we need, we can just lord it over other people. Well, God doesn't do that, that's not God's concept of authority, and it shouldn't be ours either. That uh, authority, to be legitimate, takes into consideration the common good, even authority, looks to other people for its uh, meaning. And uh, ultimately, when we want to look for the meaning of authority, we have to look to God and see how God exercises his authority, which certainly is not afraid to lay down the law when that is necessary. But behind the law and through the law is also that tender heart, that tender heart of God. And if um, legitimate authority wants to image God, needs to remember both of those things. We need to remember that when we are in authority. Authority seeks the common good of the group concerned. It employs a morally licit or legitimate means to attain that common good. So even authority is to be measured by moral legitimacy. And that fundamentally means that we... Uh, when we are in authority, we respect the human person as such, and we respect the well-being and the development of the group over which we are in authority, and that the criteria of our um, rule, if you will, in authority is peace and the stability and the security of a just order. So we are always, always, even in authority, looking outside of ourselves, not to ourselves, not to aggrandize ourselves, but we are looking for the other person. And at the same time, we're looking to God to be the model and the source for our authority. So what we are seeing here is that uh, we are not just made for ourselves, but we are made to serve other people, to look to other people, and we are made to look to God as our source and as our model for doing that. And uh, that's true whether we're in positions of authority or not, but it's certainly true for those times when, when we find ourselves in authority. 
Now, this brings up the question of social justice, and right here at this part of the catechism, uh, they deal with that as well. Respect for a human person and respect for the rights that flow from it. Fundamentally, that's uh, the key part of, of social justice. Everyone should look on their neighbor as another self, and especially those who are disadvantaged, not to look down on the poor. Um, not to presume that the poor are simply not doing anything about their state, but to try to help them, to try to help the poor, to better themselves, to try to teach the poor what to do, not to keep them independent and on, on, uh, totally dependent on government programs for the rest of their lives, but to teach them what to do, to help them, and to encourage those people, and, and I think they're in the vast majority, who are poor, and who are really working hard to try to uh, provide a good example for their children and provide a way out of poverty for themselves and for their children. So respect for the human person and their rights is fundamental. Also respect for differences. The Catechism reminds us that differences are part of God's plan, whether they are ethnic differences or language differences or cultural differences. Differences are a part of God's plan. God made people of different colors and different languages and different backgrounds and different cultures, and that's what he wants. He doesn't want us all to just be one and the same. There is a richness in the diversity, and we need to uh, not to presume that uh, we need to knock out people's differences in order to improve them. I mean, there are sinful differences in people when we keep people poor and don't allow them to... Uh, to develop themselves uh, as they should, that's a sinful difference, but differences in themselves can be very, very good as well. And the other insight about social justice is uh, that as human beings, we are in solidarity. We must really aim for a society in which the distribution of goods and the remuneration for work is fair and just and equitable in proportion with the work done. But that's true also, the Catechism says, of our spiritual goods, even more than our material ones. The spiritual benefits of society are there to be shared by all. We are not to ride on the back of other people or make other people ride on our back. And so, you see, we have a lot to think about in terms of who we are and what we are meant to do and we think about our relationship to each other. We are not for ourselves alone. Being human means being with others as well. Thank you for joining us today for The Spirituality of the Catholic Church with Father Paul Keenan. You may write to Father Keenan in care of the Office of Communications, Diocese of New York, 1011 First Avenue, New York, New York, 10022.